The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Nance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you along for the ride. We've got Nathan Miller in the studio. He's our producer, and he is at the board once again today. Getting to Oscar time. I mean, we're staring it right in the face now, ladies and gentlemen. The 95th Academy Awards will be presented this coming Sunday, March 12, 2023, in a ceremony held by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences at the Dolby Theater, the famed Dolby Theater in Los Angeles. We also have Jeffrey Mark on hand, of course, the walking encyclopedia of film and other show business, here to help us take rather a pilgrimage. Now, people who want to take road trips can go just about anywhere, anywhere accessible by uh, road. But also, I mean, you go to a place like Hollywood, and you're right there in the middle of it. Maybe you're a big film buff. You just love the cinema. Aren't you going to want to call it a pilgrimage when you go to these places that are of legend and lore, and yet here they are, all too real right in front of you when you make a visit, paying tribute to the cinematic arts. What a great time. Jeffrey Mark is with us for an interview. We're going to talk about places you could plan to go to and even organize them as a bit of an itinerary around Hollywood. That says it all. Hollywood and hooray for Hollywood, especially this weekend as we do on an annual basis. We look to the stars to see the stars and what they have created. This is American Road Trip Talk. We'll be right back with Jeffrey Mark and the interview right after this. Adventure, history, and beauty all await you on the Natchez Parkway, a national scenic byway and national park. This 444-mile drive takes you through some of the country's most stunning landscapes, while also allowing you access to exciting communities along the way. From Natchez, Mississippi to Nashville, Tennessee, we invite you to explore the trace and discover America. Plan your trip at scenictrace.com. That's scenictrace.com. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and Alert Drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drives will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. Yes, we're inspired, all right, because we get to pay another visit to Jeffrey Mark. He is a walking encyclopedia, and that's always meant with some reverence, I must say. When TV shows reporting on the entertainment industry want to check their facts, they check them with Jeffrey Mark, and that is a fact. Jeffrey, you're a friend. You're a friend of the show. Welcome back once again. It is such a pleasure to be a living legend. 
That's right, especially the living part. (laughs) (laughs) This Sunday, Jeffrey, it's happening again at the Dolby Theater in Los Always, always the night, you know, and in Hollywood, I mean, that is their Super Bowl, probably Super Bowl on steroids within that whole film culture. And at the Dolby Theater, why don't we start there, Jeffrey? The Dolby Theater has distinguished distinguished itself in ways of being state-of-the-art. They have so much to offer there. It seems like a natural place in the 21st century to hold the Academy Awards ceremony. Well, the, the area around the theater, which includes the block where Grauman's Chinese Theater is, had fallen on harder times. And gosh, maybe 25 years ago, they came in and completely rehabilitated the block and they built what was then called the Kodak Theater. And they built it specifically to have a permanent place to house the Academy Awards. Because the awards through the years, you know, it, it was not the, the multi, multi, multi million dollar glitz and sparkles we think of today. It started off just as a dinner in a hotel. So it, it's grown through the years and now it has a home. And even that got interrupted by COVID. So we're back at the home. And that is very good news. I know what you mean when we talk about the old days because there's still bits of film from it. And I'll go to YouTube once in a while and I'll just, it'll be, I'll be prompted to go there to check this out. And there will be Bob Hope or whomever the presenter was. Typically, we were talking about Bob Hope and Johnny Carson. I think between them, they hosted 30 of these. But in the early days, they would have the awards pretty much just sitting on a table. Well, in the beginning, it was a way to get some attention to the stars of films because I know this is hard for us to like believe in today's world, but originally the people who made movies didn't want there to be stars. They wanted their studio name like, Ooh, Fox films, Ooh, Goldwyn films to bring the people into the theaters but it was the audiences who started asking like, who's that guy? I want to see more of that guy. And when they finally figured out that's where their bread was buttered, that's when they said, all right, we're going to make stars. And to that end, they started this award ceremony really just to get the publicity. And in the beginning, you weren't even nominated for a specific film. You were nominated for what you had done that year. So even the rules had changed. And it was a dinner. You you wore uh, clothes you might go to a fancy dinner in, in a nice restaurant. That's all it was. There, there wasn't even radio coverage right in the beginning. All really? of this just grew and grew and grew and grew to what it is today. As I recall, I looked into it a little bit. They even held, I think once they held the Academy Awards at Union Station. That was because of COVID. Oh, okay. That was a and COVID you- thing. It was the safest place to do a small thing without there being a big audience. Um, Sometimes we have to adapt to what happens in the world. And that's certainly true of the Academy Awards. It went from one hotel to another hotel. It was a dinner until the mid-40s. Finally, they decided we'll do it in an actual theater setting. And Mm. we've talked about Grauman's Chinese Theater Uh, That was one of the places it was held in the mid-40s during the war. Uh, I have a slight 
familial connection, the man people who own that are distant cousins of my father's. So I, uh, I should be getting some money. No one's paying me for the use of my <laughs> last name, but the, the man family and I are distant relatives and they own the theater. Now we were talking off, off mic beforehand. Yeah. It's called something else now, but everybody in show business still calls it Grauman's Chinese theater. They should have kept the name. It's, it's legendary. It is. And I went to Grauman's Chinese theater once in my life. And this this is my little story. I'll make it quick. There we thought, okay, this is the hottest movie out. And what was it at the time? The Exorcist. There, so we want to go see The Exorcist. Now we came from Fullerton in Orange County, so we're making about a thirty mile drive, give or take. There, and we didn't have any reservations. We didn't have Ticketmaster or any of these other things that make buying tickets more convenient today. So four of us went. And we saw there wasn't much of a line. Great, but they're about to start the movie. Okay, let's go up to the box office. There were four seats left in the entire theater. There were two and two. And for our small group of friends, that's okay. We want to see The Exorcist. And so we did. And I had that experience. I'll never forget it. It just was extraordinary. And what I loved was the attention to detail, the architecture of Grauman's Chinese Theater, and I guess it's sister theater, you might say, at the time, the Egyptian. But there seems to be a saga about the Egyptian. If I wanted to go to Hollywood today, say, excuse me, sir, could you tell me where I can find the Egyptian theater? What would they tell me? Um, If they had been around for a while, they'd know where it was, but it is behind locked uh, gating and no one can get near it. It's it's sort of just sitting there now. They can't tear it down because it has icons. Uh, the city of uh, Los Angeles of Hollywood is named it an icon. You can't tear it down, but you also can't do much with it. So it's just at this moment kind of in limbo. We should probably take a minute and tell our friends who are listening, because if, if you were, I'll, I'll use my age, younger than I am, you might not know that these great big movie palaces were built almost in competition to Broadway theaters and vaudeville theaters. Enormous amounts of money were put into them. They held over a thousand people per showing of film, some of them 2000. And the idea of going to see a movie, men wore suits and ties, ladies put on makeup and nice dresses. It was an event to go to the movies and these movie palaces. That's where the original Academy Award shows were done in these palaces. Even Grauman's now, they've, they've turned most of these places into the multiplex kind of thing where you have you know, two or three different theaters in one building. But once upon a time, these were magnificent structures with uh, incredible, ornate, gilded artwork and draperies that were worth thousands and thousands of dollars. And they bring in orchestras and uh, in some cases, like at Radio City, these gigantic um, organs and there'd, there'd be music before the films. And then as, as, the, as the industry changed, they began to put on a vaudeville show in between the showings of films. These were called stage presentation houses. Uh, none of this exists anymore. It really is a shame that when we go to the movies now, we sit with 50 or 60 other people on a good night in a much smaller space that has no decor at all. 
And uh, it's, it's why people are staying home. I think maybe if they made it an event again, people might want to go out and enjoy themselves. I hope that they do. There is an attempt in the industry. We have one here in Sarasota where uh, Suzanne and I live, where we have um, it's a Cinebistro is what they call it. You can go and get you know what I would call elegant pub grub <laughs> there, but you can eat this food, you can have a drink, and you can watch a movie, and that creates an experience unto itself, but it does doesn't have the grandeur it has the convenience yeah in new york city there are some theaters where once you're seated a push cart comes around and brings you drinks and snacks and things like that some of them are even selling booze but it's not the same it's still people in flip-flops and shorts it's not elegant people doing elegant things and i i think that's how the Academy Awards ceremony grew, it went from being kind of a casual dinner to being more and more and more important as the movies became more and more important. And then there was the synergy between the films and radio because the film people saw television as bad, bad competition. But radio was very synergistic. Uh, In fact, many of the motion picture studios had their own radio shows. And movie stars were pushed onto the radio to promote themselves. So once that started happening, that's when the red carpet started. That's when all the interviewing was going on beforehand. Afterwards, you had talking heads, perhaps like you and I, who would be hosting a show about the Oscars while it was happening. Just with each year, it seems that they, they made the venues larger made what was going on before and after more important, much more glamorous. And then finally, I think, may she rest in peace. Dear Joan Rivers took all of that to a new height that I don't think anyone's ever going to hit again. Uh, Being able to ask the question, what are you wearing and actually make it interesting? So here we are today and you guys have no idea. On the weekend of, before you get anywhere near the ceremony, all over town, there are what is called gifting suites. And you are invited. This is by invitation only. Now, let's call me a grade C star. So grade C stars like me are invited. I have been invited this year to the Oscar gifting suite at the Women's Club of Hollywood. And they got all kinds of wonderful stuff and they load you up with all this free stuff to take home and you do little commercials for everybody. But the grade A people, oh, they're invited to exclusive places. They're the ones that are getting, you know, the thousand dollar watches and the diamond bracelets and the cruises and the keys to cars. Those for the grade A people, grade C people, we get nice stuff, but nothing you could like sell and buy a house with. <laughs> But it's, it's an honor to be invited. I'm, I'm pleased I am invited. And there are parties all over town. There are Oscar watching parties. Enormously expensive. People paying thousands of dollars just to get in and sit with other famous people to watch the Oscars on a screen because they didn't go to the actual ceremony. So the whole town, you, you almost learn Oscar weekend, stay home. Because all the streets are crowded, traffic is backed up everywhere, stay out of Hollywood and stay out of anywhere near the venue because you won't get any, you might as well just walk or take a rickshaw 
because everything is all crowded and excited. It's, it's you said it great. It's like the town is on steroids. It's it's Super Bowl on steroids. There's this just heightened excitement, and of course, there are pundits out there who wonder: in the 21st century, are these award ceremonies even relevant anymore? You know, or is is the glamour kind of gone out of all of this? What do you, you, you don't live anywhere near Hollywood, California. How do you see it, Gary? How, how do, when, when the Oscars come around every year, are you excited about it or are you kind of like, eh? I'll give you an honest answer, uh, Jeffrey, as opposed to a dishonest one. There, I am still reeling. I guess I'll have to go either go into therapy or get over this somehow. There, after the event of last year, I thought, wow, do I really want to tune in next year? And, you know, I was leaning no, but inevitably, and this has happened many times with me. Oh, here we go. The Oscars again. I hardly saw any of the movies or maybe I saw one, two, and that would be oh, some years, none, frankly, there. And I'd say, OK, you know, I, I just can't stay away from it. I got to know which picture is going to win best picture. I want best picture, best director. Uh, it's good to know who uh, wrote both the screenplay, the the winner there, but and the actors and actresses. I do like all of that in a way that just sees what talent can look like when it's presented to the world as an accomplishment, a celebration of creative achievement. There's something about that that still gets to me. It's hard for me to watch. You know, I've been a nominee uh, at, at award shows, Emmy and Grammy, mm-hmm. and you sit in the audience. I never understood why at these ceremonies, when people get up and say thank you, why they, they act like such fools. And I found out why. Somewhere around noon of the day of like the Grammys, the year I was nominated for a Grammy Award, somewhere around noon, I realized that any self-discipline or self-respect I might have ever had was completely out the window, and I was a blibbering idiot. And I was a blibbering idiot until my category was called. And you, you, I understand you, you were asked to make a speech when you are emotionally completely wrung out like a sponge. So whenever I watch these shows, I get nervous again, like it's, like it's me, like they're going to call my name. So I understand the nerves that go on. Uh, we might as well talk about what you're talking about. I, I think last year was very sad. I think bad behavior is bad behavior. Whether it's provoked or not, it is bad behavior. And uh, I won't mention anyone's names, but the, the one person slapped another. And the one who received the slap just did a live comedy special and mopped up the floor with the other one. So I think retribution is his, and we can move forward now and heal ourselves from this. But uh, it's very hard for people to be glamorous and behave badly. It's very hard to ask, what are you wearing when the person you're asking is drunk or stoned or mm-hmm. mentally ill? Right. And uh, back in the days of, of when the studios controlled everything, they literally had lessons for all of their performers. This is how you talk to the press. 
ladies, this is how you wear a strapless gown. This is how you wear high heels. Gentlemen, this is how you escort a lady. This is how you deflect uh, a question that's too personal or a little biting. And the stars learned how to be charming, how to spread their magic beyond the screen. Uh, today's stars don't get that sort of actual uh, showmanship lessons. And mm. it shows because how many of these ladies wearing strapless gowns and high heels, and we watch them walk down their red carpet, stumbling on their heels and lifting up the breast portion of their dresses so they don't fall down because they don't know there's supposed to be a bra built into that, but nobody <laughs> told them that, you know? So, yes. so it's, it's, it's a different world. We have, I think, lost glamour in Hollywood. Uh, but we do have Ellen DeGeneres handing out pizza. So there's that. <laughs> and some of the stuff they do, Jimmy Kimmel bringing in a crowd from a tour. They have no idea what they're walking into, stuff like that. That's one of the reasons why I come back and check it out. You just never know, hopefully for happy reasons, happier than last year. That's for sure. Jeffrey, I do want to ask you in our remaining time, Hollywood and Vine, legendary. You just say the phrase Hollywood and Vine, and then you're a pawn. If you make this into a pilgrimage, I don't know how it, easy it would be to park a car. However, there is the Hollywood Walk of Fame. If I were in Hollywood today, I would not miss that. I'm going to contradict you, my dear friend whom I love. Okay. You go to Hollywood and you go to the corner of Hollywood and Vine, and there is nothing there. It is a corner on a street. Yes, some of the Walk of Fame stars go down to Vine Street, down Hollywood Boulevard. But if you're talking about the excitement of, oh, I'm in Hollywood, it's right there. It's at Hollywood and Highland, where the Academy Award Theater is, where Grauman's is, where, and I have my heart in this one, the Hollywood Museum is. Oh, yes. You know, uh, that's that's that corner there is where you'll find the Wax Museum, the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. That's You're going to feel Hollywood under your feet in those two or three blocks, one way or the other, of Hollywood and Highland. People go to Hollywood and Vine, and they're disappointed. When I say there's nothing there, I don't mean there's no buildings, but it's just buildings. It's stores. There's nothing of Hollywood at that address anymore. Hollywood and Vine, I know we're running out of time, but the reason it's famous because once upon a time, NBC and CBS, their radio stations were just down the block from that. And that's nearby where uh, the Brown Derby restaurant was. Hollywood and Vine was really famous for radio. And NBC is no longer there and CBS is no longer there. It's a bank. NBC is now a bank. The Brown Derby is gone. So there's no reason to be there. But please, if you're going to Hollywood, check out the Hollywood Museum. Check out Grauman's Chinese. Put your feet in people's fingerprints. Fingerprints. Listen to me. In people's footprints in the yes. forecourt. To be like Lucy Ricardo. Put your feet in. Just don't steal John Wayne's footprints. <laughs> yes, that would be a no-no. And this is why we love to bring you on when this subject matter comes up, because you are the walking encyclopedia. And if there's fact-checking to be done, you're the man. No question about that. And the Hollywood Museum, Jeffrey, thank you for bringing that up. This is a love affair with Hollywood culture. The stardom, yes, but the film culture, I have heard nothing but great things about the Hollywood Museum. In the old Max Factor building, 
So now dad, again, bless her heart, a dear friend of mine, bought the building and turned what was, was Max Factor, a place I went to as a kid actor to get makeup in the redheaded room, is now the best museum about classic Hollywood. And uh, I, I go to many events there on the red carpet. I'm a supporter of the museum. You, It's got just floors and floors of wonderful things. You you really can visit classic Hollywood by going to the Hollywood Museum. I, I Please, don't come to L.A. and not go there. And one other note about the Hollywood Museum, it seems like they have a wonderful blend of permanent exhibits, uh, artifacts that they actually own, but also the special exhibits that come up. It's good to pay attention to what they're doing from time to time. Oh, sure. It's a more than one visit kind of place. Because as you said, there are all these wonderful things that live there forever. And then they have these on loan things that come and go. And uh, I, I'm amazed. I mean, the Batmobile is there. I mean, it's it's incredible what is there, what you can see. And uh, there's even some Jeffrey Mark memorabilia in the museum. How about are that? Are there now? There well, that's it. Well, you know, I'm determined to get out that way as soon as I can. And when I do, you're going to have to give me a little, you know, heads up on that because I'm going to be taking photos. You will meet me at the museum. I will take you on a personal tour and then we will have dinner at Musso and Frank's, the oldest restaurant in Hollywood. Oh, my. Now, you said this on air. I got to hold you to it, Jeffrey. Oh, I mean it. <laughs> Jeffrey Mark, everybody, thank you, sir. You are a friend of mine. We just have yet to meet in person, but we shall. And I wish you nothing but joy. However long you spend watching the Oscars, I think you've got me turned on to it enough. I'm going to tune in and see who wins what this year. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Jeffrey Mark. Have me on soon, please. I love being with you. You've got a deal. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk. Along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine, we remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. <laughs>